Good morning, everyone. Is anyone else in LA and just got woke up by two back-to-back earthquakes? That's so fun. We love that here. Well, today on Dirty Girl, we are sharing an interview with our friend Maury. Maury told me about protesting in Seattle in the autonomous zone, and that was super interesting to me. I hope you enjoy learning about what she saw. My girlfriend and I were quarantining with my parents, Mm -hmm. and I'm 26, and she's 35. Neither of us have lived, like, at home since we were 18, you know? So it was like, suddenly we're in here with my parents, and it's like my first serious relationship with a woman. So, like, my parents are having to digest that in the middle of a pandemic while we're all, like, literally sharing walls. And it's just, yeah, it's it's been a lot. 2020 has been a lot. Let's talk about that. How has that been? Uh, how was it? How did your parents' digestion go? <laughs> um, to be honest, coming out for me has been like the most anticlimactic thing ever. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people have a more, you know, dramatic experience, but my parents are just super rad and awesome and totally accepting of me. And they just want what's best for me and for me to be happy. So like bringing her home, just, it was just like, I brought anyone home and they're just like getting to know her just like they would any relationship and they really like her and it's been great. Had they met her before you were quarantining together? Um, they met her. Yeah, actually they met her pretty soon after we started going out because they were coming to see me. And I'm just psycho. And I was like, oh, yeah, you'll just you'll meet my girlfriend, too, because I just didn't think it through. And then suddenly she was like there with us and my family in November of last year, mm-hmm. just hanging out. And it was like probably too soon for that. But we were just like, all right, we're doing it. So they met her really briefly then and then actually a couple of days for Christmas. But then we drove up from Seattle or drove up from LA to Seattle this spring in March, thinking we were just going to be there for two weeks just to like wait out the most intense of the quarantine. And then two weeks turned into three months. So they got to really know her (laughs) and yeah. That's awesome. Were you anywhere near, um, what is the zone that's in Seattle? Chop. Yes. Were you in there, near there? Tell me about that. Oh my God. Yeah. So I think the first couple of days of the big Seattle protests, um, was my mom's birthday weekend. So we actually didn't go. Cause I was like, I'm not gonna. And that was when everything was really violent. And I was like, the last thing I'm going to do is give my mom a heart attack and take me and my little brother like over to a protest. Um, but, uh, then a few days later we kind of thought about it and we actually ended up going to Capitol Hill which is the gay district in Seattle. And that's where CHOP exists now. So we were there for like the eight days up until I think it was the day after we left that they started calling it something else that then turned into CHOP. But yeah, the whole autonomous zone thing, I don't really know what the current situation with CHOP is. But when we left Seattle, it was like a really amazing hub of like, the protesting was there until the police actually abandoned the area. So first it was like a hub of protesting and speaking. And actually there was some music. There was like a band down the street playing and it was like, um, they were like singing about the movement and then people were just like repurposing 
the walls of Capitol Hill and painting art and just like adding like all this beauty and collaboration. And so it was like that when we left. And now it's like I read the news and I don't really know what's going on there. But um, I think, I mean, I hope that it's still what it was when we left. So, yeah. Good. That's very cool that you were there and in it. The one thing that I, if I was going to talk about anything really quick, um, there was this video that went viral on Twitter a couple weeks ago that was um, the front lines of the police and the barricade and the protesters. And it's an aerial view, this video, and there's someone holding a pink umbrella and the umbrella just kind of falls. And then the cops in retaliation to the pink umbrella falling, start firing off all these smoke bombs and whatever's and rubber bullets and stuff. And completely like the crowd just disperses. And it's like this whole fucking blowout happened over a pink umbrella falling and so that was like that turned into something Seattle was like fuck you okay like that was literally an umbrella and so as the protests continued every day people started bringing umbrellas and they passed them forward so that the front lines of the protesters all had like an array like a shield of umbrellas and so it became this thing that's like the pink umbrella family um, because it started with the pink umbrella and it's like us exercising our right in Seattle to peacefully protest. Like we're here, we're protecting our people because, you know, umbrella protects you from the rain. And then there's also people, there's like a meme going around that was like, it rains all the time in Seattle, but we never use umbrellas. And so there's like this meme that's like, well, we never use them until now because we've never had a storm this big. Mm. And so I thought that was really powerful. So I don't know. I hope that if anyone looks back and thinks about the Seattle protest, like I hope they remember the pink umbrella and like us just protecting each other. Did you feel the need to get COVID testing uh, while you were there while around protesting? You know, actually, no, because I mean, we wore masks the whole time. We had, I had gloves. Pretty much everyone around me had a mask. We were still able to, you know, like you're just not touching anyone and you're not you know, I think it's pretty crazy, amazing how conscious people were because here you are at like a protest that you think like gathering crazy, like chaos is happening, but everyone was super respectful. And I've honestly noticed that at every protest I've been to since, because I've been to some in LA. Yeah. People just are thinking, everyone is thinking on a higher level. Yes, we are in a pandemic, so we do need to be careful, but we also have some really important shit that we need to say. And like, how do we, how do we marry that in a safe way for everyone? I've been feeling a lot of, um, I'm, my boyfriend is type one diabetic and we're living together and his brother also is, and his father has Crohn's and my boyfriend has Crohn's too. So three people in a house that are autoimmune deficient. So I haven't felt safe going to protests. Right because I don't want to put them at risk. And it's been hard for me because that's, there are so many times I've almost gotten in my car and then talked myself out and say, you know, that's Mm -hmm. not what we can do right now. Um, But I'm very happy that you got to have that experience and you got to, and I mean, obviously you cannot feel any guilt about not being able to go like wasting energy on guilt is like, 
that is like the least important thing here. Cause I feel like we all have so much to contribute. Like our generation is the future right now. Like the message that you're giving other people, like just even just having what you know is right in your heart and sharing that with everyone in your immediate circle creates this positive pyramid scheme of just all of us like unbrainwashing, peeling back the layers of bullshit. And so even if it's like you just have one conversation with your boyfriend's parents who are more conservative than you, and even if that conversation is frustrating, but then like they walk away with a slightly different view than they had before, even if it's just like the teeniest amount, like that's, cause that's the one thing too, is like at first when I was protesting, everyone that I was around were also people who felt the same way as me. And, and that's great. Like, fuck the police, like, duh. But who are the people that I really should be talking to? So then it's like, okay, the next level of removal from that is like my parents, like people who still believe in all this stuff, but like, don't know if we can ever really change it or, you know, don't, don't feel comfortable with people smashing glass. Like, oh, that's kind of, that's a ruckus. Like, so that's like the next level, you know? And then, well, and then you also have the people that like, just are wanting to help, but are like, don't really know how. And then you can kind of like do the research yourself and be like, here, you sign this petition here. You call this number. Here's all these easy things. I don't know. It's just kind of like if someone was running for a campaign, like we all have our role, we all have our shit that we need to do, whether you're making buttons or getting coffee or writing their speech, like we all need to be here. So yeah, it's been interesting realizing I need to try to channel my energy and also understand that it's a privilege to learn about this, not to experience it. So trying Mm -hmm. to stay energized and stay focused. Yeah. I mean, this is completely new territory. And I think I first saw this, this meme, like right when everything really blew up, like it was like the very end of May, very beginning of June. And it was something like, did you ever wonder what you were doing, doing during the civil war? Did you ever wonder what you were doing during the Holocaust? You're doing it now. And I think I remember showing that to my mom and she was like, this is not like, like this is big, but this isn't that big kind of thing. Like that was kind of her reply. And it made me like feel kind of insecure when I read it too. Like, are we just being like, you know, it just, this isn't the Holocaust. That's the worst thing that's ever happened in the world. Like, like, you know, just, I was like, trying to understand how big it was. And then now it's like, every time I revisit that quote, I'm like, holy shit, this is the biggest thing we've, this is the biggest call to action that our country has ever had in its history. Like we are taking like the Black Lives Matter movement and we are taking the very roots of what our country is built on and we are pulling them up being like, this is not right. We need to plant completely new seeds and grow an entirely new garden because we literally built this on bullshit. And so it's like, yeah, we already had a civil rights movement. Yeah, we've had a civil war, la, 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 But like, no, this is like the, like, true intellectual groundbreaking shit that needs to happen to actually change what's going on in our system. Because, I mean, before we were just like covering up the wound with like a Band-Aid or whatever, like spraying some Neosporin on there. But now it's like, we're ripping the bandit off. We're showing everything that's wrong and we are completely going to heal as a country. I hope. Facebook, at least Facebook, I'm not sure about other social media, 
filters out dissent. So you're more likely to end up in an echo chamber of people you agree with. Mm -hmm. And it's the same wherever you are on the political spectrum. But I know I'm not even seeing posts from people I'm friends with that are posting all lives matter things. And I know, I know they're there. Just Facebook doesn't show it. So Mm -hmm. when I am continuously posting black lives matter stuff, it makes me feel like no one's hearing me because only people I agree with are seeing it. You're preaching to the choir. Right. And I know I need to become more comfortable actually engaging in conversations and challenging others and being comfortable being challenged myself and being called out on my own bullshit. Yeah. Which is, you know, I'm, I'm getting into it and it's rewarding and awful to be like, wow, look at all. We're learning. Yeah. We're checking our privilege for the, probably the first time in a lot of people's lives. Like, yeah. Really realizing what right white privilege is and knowing that this better future that we are striving for is going to change our reality. Like it's not just gonna like, like we are going to have to change our daily actions in a way that is just much more conscious and equal, like actually gives everyone the same fucking chance (laughs) at life. Like we have to actually break that down and be like, well, what does that mean? for me as a white person, like, what do I need to be doing? And yeah, it's really groundbreaking. And I wish that we'd started sooner, but it's kind of like, I just read this, um, like Asian proverb that was like the best, the best time to plant a seed and grow a tree was 20 years ago, but the second best is today. And I just like, I always try to think about that when I feel guilty that I haven't done more in my life. Cause I'm just like, those feelings and those thoughts have been there, but it's almost like now I, I feel like I've done enough of my own self work and I'm still doing it, but I've done enough of my own self work that I'm like, okay, put me in. I'm ready. Like, let's fucking change shit. Let's do this. Let's work together. Ooh, so inspiring. Inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) What was your favorite moment from protesting? You know, actually it would have you can have a couple it's okay (laughs) one of them was uh one of our last nights in capitol hill was the day that the police left and they abandoned their precinct and that's right before it became the autonomous zone but that night in front of the precinct there was a congresswoman i think speaking there was like a big official speaking and instead of the police standing there it was literally like this amazing town meeting that was happening and then so we stood there for a little bit and then we kept wandering around capitol hill just kind of like checking out what was going on in this space that this community that was being created and i found this really beautiful um kind of uh memorial for brianna taylor that was like just a candlelight vigil and i you know you've seen them when there's been like celebrities people always do that and but it was honestly like the most beautiful like little memorial I've ever seen like it was the wall had been painted this lavender color and there was like this long poem that I have written down somewhere but it was like written on the wall and I just kind of like got on my knees and just like sat there silently and after screaming for an entire week like losing my voice having like 
a pepper bomb thrown at us, like all this shit. Like I was literally like kneeling in front of a wall, just like, like remembering her, remembering that I am literally six months younger than this woman whose life was taken in like the worst way possible. And it was just like, I was like, I wish I could do more for you, but like, I'm doing everything I can. Sorry. It's just like a really, um, a clear moment. So <laughs> that was the first one. That's beautiful. And then, um, the other one was a couple weeks ago was the, uh, all black lives matter March in West Hollywood. And, um, it was my first time, uh, at a pride parade as a gay person and in a relationship. And I actually, I'm a professional dancer. So I have performed at pride, like I've danced in it and I've like celebrated my gay friends and been like, I'm like, I like, I wanted to be gay, <laughs> you know, but I just like didn't know that I was. And then this year just has been a big year and I was able to, and then we were not only, I was finally able to like, celebrate myself and celebrate my partner and like feel that love. But I was also marching for black lives matter with queer people, with trans people, with black people, with white people, with everyone. And I don't know, West Hollywood is also like where I had my first apartment in LA. And it just like felt really, really great to be there with all these people. And I, I think there might've been a little like weird backlash about people not liking that like pride and black lives matter were together or whatever. Like there was some weird, cause you know, there's always like feedback, like negative feedback. Yeah, I think it had to do with pride, like canceling pride was canceled. And then they decided we were going to do black lives matter March, but they hadn't, it wasn't like a collaboration with black lives matter LA or there was some, I remember this as well. Um, yeah. This, this, was the, this was the protest where I, the, the main one where I like almost like sat in my car and was like, Oh, I want to be there, but I, I can't like, yeah. Well, and I will say like being there, it was very focused. It was very respectful and it was very powerful. And after everything that had been going on that week and like refusing Trump, trying to refuse aid to trans people, trying to pass something that would prevent gay people from adopting a baby. Like there was just all this shit that week. I was like, we need to have this March. Like, this hat like and it and you know it, it did and I hope that people realize that it was really genuine and really powerful what a transformative fucking month it's been for you for Dude, us. I'm telling <laughs> you 2020 I don't even know my brain is exploding and you're back in LA now right yes yeah uh we are currently at her place in downtown LA but she has a few roommates and there's three cats there, and we also have a fourth kitten that we brought from Seattle that is being fostered because it can't, there's no room for it in this crowded apartment. So her and I are looking for preferably like our own house somewhere, um, maybe in like Silver Lake or Echo Park area, something like that. Like we're basically just very ready to nest after spending all of quarantine together. <laughs> it's like, we're ready to have our own space, Yesterday, she told our her roommate, she's like, we just want to have as loud a sex as we want and not have to worry about thin walls anymore. And I was just like, I'm glad you said that because I've been thinking it. 
I said that to my boyfriend the other day too, because we were also looking for a place to live together. And yeah. I like whispered, we get to have super loud sex one day. It's just like you get to a point in your life where like, that is just, you need that. Like mm-hmm. it's your pre, like, it's like your post college years, your pre like family years. It's like, you need to have this decade of loud sex. Everyone should have that. Thanks again to Mari for sharing her experience protesting in Seattle. It was super interesting. If you were part of the Seattle or Portland protests, email us at dirtygirlpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear more of these stories. Dirty Girl is produced by me, Heather Ann Gottlieb, along with Cameron Taggy, Tristan Bankston, and Alex Salem. We are distributed by the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network. Our logo was designed by Kevin Laughlin.